0: Om Namo Bhagavate Vāsudevāyā Om Namo Bhagavate Vāsudevāyā Om Namo Bhagavate Vāsudevāyā So today we are reading from Srimad Bhagavatam Kento 6, chapter number 3, text number 33, 6.3.33. Krishna Angari Padamamadulin Napunar Vir Maya Guneshu Ramate vahesu I'm just going to break down this verse so that we can understand the meaning and then we'll sing again, yeah? So that next time when we sing, we are singing with some understanding of the meaning as well. So Krishna Angarehi. So Krishna is Krishna Anga is the lotus feet of the, or the feet of the Krishna. And Padma is the lotus. So Krishna's feet is lotus feet. No? So the lotus feet of the Lord is... Madhu is honey. And lin literally means to lick. So in other words, those who lick the nectar of the lotus feet of the Lord, what happens to them? Na punar visrishta maya guneshu ramate. Ramate means to enjoy and enjoy with Maya, Maya, Guneshu, the three modes of the material nature. So in other words, what... Uh, who's talking this verse, Sukhya Goswami is saying that devotees who lick the nectar of the lotus feet of the Lord do not go back to Maya and embrace her for sense gratification. Why? Because Vrijava. Because Vrijana vaheshu, because it is very troublesome, it is very distressing, it is very miserable, when we are enjoying sense gratification. But on the other hand, kama Atma Raja Pramastum. the other people, in other words, the non-devotees, kama hatha Atma Rajaha. In their heart, when those lusty desires are there, when they try to cleanse it, you know means when they are trying to cleanse it, how do they try to cleanse it? Through Ihetha Karma. In other words, through Karma kanda atonement, when they are trying to cleanse their heart, what happens to them? Rajaha Punasayat. Punasayat means they go back and do it again. So to bring it together, for the devotees who are licking the honey of the lotus feet of the Lord, once they taste that nectar, They find distaste in material sense gratification, whereas for the non-devotees, although they try to do atonement so that they don't want to do sense gratification again, they helplessly go back and do it again. Clear with the meaning? Krishna Angari Padma Madhulin Napunar Visrista. Mayaguneshu Ramatev Drijanava Heshu Mayagune Anyasukama Hataat Maharaja Ramastum Iheta Karma Yeta Eva Rajahapunasyatapun Rajahapunasyat. Krishnan padma Madulina Punarvis Ristha Maya Guneshu Ramate Vrijina Vaheshu, Anyastukamahata Atmarajaha Pramarshtum, Anyastukamahata Atmarajaha Pramarshtum, Ihetaka Ihetakarmayata Evarajah Punasyat, Ihetakarmayata Evarajah Punasyat, With transliteration, Krishna Angari padma of the lotus feet of Lord Krishna. Madhu, the honey. Lit, one who licks. Na, not. Punaha, again. Visrishta, already renounced. Maya Guneshu, in the material modes of nature. Ramate, desires to enjoy. Vrijana Vaheshu, which brings, which brings distress. What is Brijana Vaheshu? Which brings distress. Just checking. Anya, Anya. Anada, anada To Two. However. Two. Kama Hataha, <laughs> kama hataha <laughs> Being enchanted by lust. Enchanted by lust. <laughs> atma Rajaha, <laughs> atma rajaha <laughs> the, sinful the, heart, the sinful infection of the heart. Parmarstum, <laughs> to, parmarstum, parmarstum. to cleanse. Ita may perform, may perform. Karma. karma, activities, yataha, after which eva, indeed, rajaha, the sinful activity, Punaha, again, sayat appears. translation and Devotees who always lick the honey from the lotus feet of Lord Krishna do not care at all for material activities which are performed under the three modes of material nature and which bring only misery. Indeed, devotees never give up the lotus feet of Krishna to return to material activities. Others, however, who are addicted to Vedic rituals because they have neglected the service of the Lord's lotus feet and are enchanted by lusty desires, sometimes perform acts of atonement. Nevertheless, being incompletely purified, they return to sinful activities again and again. A devotee's duty is to chant the Hare Krishna mantra. One may sometimes chant with offences and sometimes without offences. But if one seriously adopts this process, he will achieve perfection, which cannot be achieved through Vedic ritualistic ceremonies of atonement. Persons who are attached to the Vedic ritualistic ceremonies but do not believe in devotional service, who advise atonement but do not appreciate the chanting of the Lord's holy name, fail to achieve the highest perfection. Devotees, therefore, being completely detached from material enjoyment, never give up Krishna consciousness for Vedic ritualistic ceremonies. Those who are attached to Vedic ritualistic ceremonies because of lusty desires are subjected to the tribulations of material existence again and again. Maharaj Parakshid has compared the activities to Kunjara Socha, the bathing of an elephant. Omagyanati Miranthasya, Yananjana Shalakaya, Chakshurun Militam Yena, Tasme Shri Guru Nama, Nama Om Vishnupadaya, Krishna Prasthaya Bhutale, Shri Mate Bhakti Vedanta, Swami Niti Namine, Namaste Saraswate Deve, Gauravāṇī prachārīne nirviseśā sunyavādī pāśyatya desatārīne Jai Shri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityānanda Shri Advaita Gadādhār Shri Vāsadī bhakta Vrindā Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rāma Hare Rāma Rama, Rama, hari, hari. So we are currently reading Kento, three, uh, Kento 6, as I said, chapter number 33. Kento 5, which was very technical in nature because it talked a lot about cosmology, ended with, uh, there were 26 chapters in, ten, in Kento 5, and in the 26th chapter, when Sukhdeva Goswami was telling Maharaj Parikshid about the hellish planets, because that also formed part of the explanation of the Vedic cosmology, so when he was talking about the hellish planets, Maharaj Parikshid, out of his natural compassion, and which is what Surbhi Mataji was also saying, you know, the devotees are paradukhaduki, you know, they are always kind towards other living entities. So out of his kindness, he posed this question to Sukhdeva Goswami. At the end uh, at the at the big at the end of actually at the beginning of Canto 6, he poses this question. Picking up from Kanto 5, chapter number 26, when Maharaj when Sukhdev Goswami was talking about the hellish planets. So, what was Maharaj Parikshit's exact question? His question was that seeing the suffering of the living entities in the hellish planets, what is the solution whereby we can help them avoid going to the hellish planets what is the solution for the sin that the living entity has already committed how can he atone for it so that he doesn't have to suffer in the hellish planets again and again hmm? brilliant question because you know it applies to us as well so then kento 6 opens up with again i'll repeat we are in chapter 3 but you know chapter 1 2 and 3 of kento 6 is mainly about ajamila pastime that's how we kind of know it's about ajamila pastime but the genesis of the pastime is given to explain to Maharaj Parikshit that how the living entity, which is you and I, can avoid going to the hellish planets to suffer from those material miseries. Hmm. So Sankara Goswami has been speaking five kentos to Maharaj Parikshit. I don't know exactly which day this would be out of the seven days of hearing, but let's say somewhere between the seven days, Maharaj Parikshit has been, you know, attentively listening to Sukhdiya Goswami, and the five cantos are over. So at this stage, you know, a spiritual master wants to test his disciple. Sukhdiya Goswami wants to test Maharaj Parikshit to say, you know, whether you have actually understood what I have been trying to tell you for the last five cantos. So to test him out, he he first gives him the, the first remedy by which the jiva can atone himself and avoid going to hellish planets and what's the first remedy that sukdev goswami gives he gives the remedy of karmakanda and what is actually that he says that in the vedic scriptures there are rituals that are given whereby which we can atone for our past sins and he also says that in the same vedic rituals the the atonement is given according to the to the degree what's the other word to the uh, to the severity of the sin committed, you know, if the sin is very severe, higher level of atonement has to be done, which is pashyatam. Or if it's lava, then lava level of atonement can be given. So he gives this remedy. Now, Sukhdeva Goswami noticed that Maharaj Parikshit was little displaced, not displaced, but unsatisfied and somewhat reserved with this remedy that was the doctor was prescribing to the to the patient. And he said that, actually, I compare this to the elephant bathing. That's where that famous verse comes again, yeah? about the elephant bathing? Because the elephant bathes, but immediately after coming out from the body of water, it splashes, or it just you know, puts the, the dust on his body again. So what is the use of this remedy if it does not kill the root of the problem? Or as the Americans say, you nip it in the bud. You, you, you resolve it at the bud, you know, cut it at the bud, the flower will not germinate again. So what is the use of this remedy if it doesn't kill the propensity to sin? So he explains that there are two things. There is the desire to sin, there is the action of sin, and there are the results of sin. So please keep these three in mind because, you know, that's what we be talking about all this. The desire or the propensity to sin, the action of sinning, and then the result of the sinful action. So he says, what you are giving me as the remedy is going to perhaps solve uh, the the reaction of the sinful actions that I have already done, or one has already done. But the desire or the propensity to sin will come again. So what's the point? Now, Sukhdeva Goswami wants to test Maharaj Parikshit for the second time. So he says, I will give you the remedy. He said, I agree with you, my dear Parikshit, my dear student, I agree with your reservation. And therefore, I'm going to give you another remedy. And what's the second remedy? He now prescribes niyana as the solution to the uh, for avoiding going to hellish planets to uh, to suffer for our sinful reactions. So he prescribes niyana kanda. What is niyana kanda? means you know the knowledge on based on which you can decide what is ro- right, what is wrong, and then try to do things that is not. Wrong, try to do things that are right and therefore avoid things that they are doing that is wrong. And then he pres- and then he says that it involves celibacy, austerity, tapasya, mind control, senses control, etc, etc, etc. What do you think was Maharaj Parikshit's reaction for the second time? Satisfied? Unsatisfied? You know when you sometimes go to supermarkets, they have got those smiley face or the angry face or something in middle. You press to give them feedback what do you think Maharaj Parikshit's feedback was to Sukhdeva Goswami? Fully satisfied, unsatisfied, kind of, not sure. Not sure, not sure huh? Maharaj Pariksit, not sure? <laughs> 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 Don't think. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> satisfied? Unsatisfied? unsatisfied? Unsatisfied. Why? Because he has already said that with this first remedy, which is equally applicable to the second one, that the root cause of the problem is not being, sa- not being solved. The propensity to sin is still there. So tell me something higher. So Sukhdeva Goswami now says his, the, the ultimate and his conclusive remedy regarding Maharaj Parikshit's question. I've got my water. Shama, but thank you so much. Thank you so much. You are a gentleman. So <clears throat> he, he gives the final remedy. And what is the final remedy? He says, bhakti. Ke chit kevalaya bhakti. Next line. Vasudeva parayana agam dhunvanti karsneya so this famous verse again, which talks about the, sin, the, 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 the sun of bhakti and the fog of sin. The sun of bhakti and the fog of sin. So what it says is when, the, when bhakti, he compares and gives the analogy, then when in the morning there is a lot of fog, especially in winter, but when the sun arises, it immediately dissipates all the fog completely. And how does the sun dissipate the fog? Does it need any other energy with it? Or is the the sun self-sufficient to dissipate the fog? The sun can just do it alone, first of all, first point. Secondly, it can do it with only a little bit of its energy. An hour of strong sunshine, not even strong to be honest, an hour of little sunshine in the morning is enough to dissipate the fog. What we speak about midday when the sun is scorching down. No? so just so two points here one bhakti in itself is enough bhakti in itself is enough not to only destroy our sins but to also destroy our sinful desires first point bhakti itself is enough it doesn't need jnana, astanga anything else itself is enough second point that bhakti can destroy our sinful actions and reactions only with little bit of effort just a little bit of it, whereas with the other process of atonement, too much trouble is required and then the root will come because the root is still there the desire may, will come back again so at this point in time to substantiate his point that bhakti is so powerful that it can remove the sinful propensities Sukdev Goswami quotes the pastime of Ajamila so now, hopefully, we are clear how Ajamila pastime fits in the context of what Sukhdeva Goswami is explaining to Maharaj Pariksit. The, the fundamental question was, how do we save the Jiva from going to the hellish planets? And the answer was first, Karma Kanda not satisfied, kanda, not satisfied, Bhakti satisfied, then the Ajamila pastime to substantiate his point. And Ajamila pastime, we are all very familiar with, so I'm not going to go into detail with it, apart from the fact that we'll just pick a few points and then continue from there. At the moment, by the way, we are in chapter 1 of Canto 6. This is all chapter 1. Then we'll go to chapter 2, and then we'll end up with chapter 3, where we are today. So here, Sridhar Goswami tells Maharaj Parasit about the Ajamila past time. That Ajamila once upon a time, was a very fine and nice Brahmana, and then, you know, due to some unforeseen climatic situation and observations, uh, he fell down, you know, and he fell down pretty badly, and pretty pretty terribly. And then... <clears throat> At the end of his life, when he was 88 years old, he had many children, 10 children, I think, from memory. And the youngest son was named Narayana. And he was very fond of his youngest son. And at the time when when he was about to leave his body, three Yamudutas came to arrest him, to take the soul out of his body. Why does three Yamudutas came? I didn't know until I read Prabhupada's purpose yesterday. Does anybody know? No? Yeah. Because you attend Bhagavatam class every day, right? Very nice. Yeah? I didn't know this. I was glancing yesterday. So Prabhupada writes, Ajamila had committed sinful activities at three different levels. His body, his mind and his words. BMW. So because of those three, <laughs> because of those three levels, three Yamadutas came to arrest him, You know, to snatch the soul out of the body. And when... Imagine us, put ourselves into the place, you know. If, kids, listening, you know? if you are in, if you have done something, I know you never do anything wrong. Theoretically speaking, if you ever do something wrong, and somebody comes to arrest you, you know, or to capture you, whom will you call to save you? Mom, you know? how will you call your mom? Mom, come here, like then? What, what with emotion, how will you call out? I I'll scream out. Like, show us, like, some demonstration, some, some acting. Thank you for your participation, please. How will you call out your mom if somebody is coming to trouble you? <laughs> you can't scream? <laughs> so you will scream out, you know, Mommy! You know, something like that, with terror and tears in the eyes, with uh, hairs standing on our end, and, you know, we'll be shaken. Not only for the kids, for us as well, you know. In the middle of the night, you know, if... Uh, some drunkard comes, you know, and you are in the alley, we'll yell out. We'll probably yell out to Krishna because of our you know, devotional service. But we'll yell out to somebody. So Ajamila, in that kind of disposition, when he's about to die, calls out Narayana. Okay, that's his dear son. Now, how many syllables are there in Narayana? Na, ra, ya, na. So how many Yamadutas come? Uh, how many dutas come? Four. I didn't know this either (laughs) until I read it yesterday. So Prabhupada explains because Ajamila had committed sins at three levels, body, mind and words, three Yamudutas came. Because Ajamila had chanted na, ra, ya, na, four Vishnudutas came to protect him. And this here Prabhupada explains is our sweet Lord has got so many sweet aspects, but the foremost of those qualities in the Lord is his utmost mercy, kripa, compassion, on us whenever we are in trouble if we call out to him even if we have committed the greatest of sins he will somehow the other come to protect us at some particular level at some particular level he will come and reciprocate us just call out him when we are in trouble so ajamila demonstrates or through the pastime of ajamila we learn: if we call out to the lord with helplessness with desperation with anxiety with love the lord will reciprocate so he immediately sends his four Vishnu Dutas there. And then there is a conversation between the Yamadutas and the Vishnu Dutas about who is doing right and who is doing wrong. There is a very nice conversation there as well. The Yamadutas ask, the Yamadutas tell Vishnu Dutas that this guy, Pesan, Ajamila, has done a lot of sinful activities and therefore we are entitled to take him to our boss in the Yamaloka who is known by Yamaraja so that he can get punished. he can get punished. And Vishnu Dutas challenged them to say, "If you think he is adharmic, if you think he is adharma, then they fire up five questions to Yamadutas. Tell me what is dharma. Tell me what is adharma. Tell me where the dharma and adharma are narrated." How do you decide who is adharmic? Who decides who should be punished? How should they be punished? What is the process of punishment? A lot of questions there. Very, very beautiful questions by Vishnu Dutas. And actually all correct answers by Yamadutas as well. Oh, I think they were correct answers. Gopal Rindas <laughs> Prabhu might correct me. They looked all correct answers. But then Yamadutas say that because Ajamila has called on to our sweet Lord at the time of death, you cannot take him, leave him alone. He is our property because he has chanted Narayana at the end of his life. And then Yamadutas get completely confused. We'll be so happy, na, no? If Yamadutas were to come to us and then they become confused and go away and Vishnu Dutas come, I mean, it will be like Ajamila uh, you know, part two. <laughs> but we don't want to take that risk. None of us want to, t- what about rather than 440 Yamadutas come? My goodness, you know, we'll probably die twice in one life. So, we don't want to take that risk. We want to just make sure that Vishnu Dutas come, 40 Yamadutas come to take us away. If not Yamadutas, then as Rui Mataji was saying, at least we want Prabhupada to come, yeah, to take us away. So, that's our desire. So, then anyway, there's a nice conversation between Yamadutas and Vishnu Dutas. And when Vishnu Dutas tell Yamadutas that if you, you may have understood, but you don't understand that Ajamila has chanted Narayana and therefore he's our property. He is entitled to go back, to, to, to get a chance to reform himself, And there, at that point in time, we move forward. Yamadutas go back to Yamaraj to narrate all this story and then clarify with him to say, actually, who is the boss? We all, all the while thought you were the boss. We are working for you. But it seems like you have a boss who is higher than you. So please tell us decisively, are we, you know, how does all this hierarchy stand out? Where do we fit? Where do you fit? So with that, and then Ajamila pastime continues, and I'll quickly finish this Ajamila, then we'll go back to Yamadutas going to Yamaraj. So Ajamila, what happens? You know, he, he, when he sees Yamadutas, of course, you know, there is a sense of determination to purify himself because he is out of his Agyat Sukriti of chanting Narayana at the time of death, He's now going through some reformation, you know. So a person who has, was almost like relapsing many times, you know, it, it gets a chance to, to, he has been rescued by Vishnu Dutas, and now he's reforming himself. So quite determiningly, he takes up to the process of bhakti, and then eventually he goes back to Godhead. So a lot of lessons learned there for us as well. And the Yamadutas go to Yamaraj and question him to say, who is the real boss here? Now, who is the supreme controller? Is it you, or you have another person that you report to? And Yamaduta, Yamaraj gets very happy at this point in time because he hears the name of his Supreme Lord, Narayana. So he gets very pleased to hear it. And lessons learned there. You know, we know the pastimes, so I'll just, in the interest of time as well, I'll skip the pastimes and I'll just draw out the lessons. Yamaraj shows us great qualities at this point in time, and we'll understand how. At least three things that I could picture, you know, could figure out from Prabhupada's purport. One, pictureize the situation now so that you can understand what is happening. Yamadutas have been jolted by Vishnu Dutas and stopped by the Vishnu Dutas to take away Ajamila. They thought they are doing their duty, but they were stopped. Now, when they go to Yamraj, they have this unclear or the, or the ignorance of who is actually the boss. Is it Yamaraj or is it the Supreme Personality of Godhead? Is there someone else? Now Yamraj could have easily taken advantage. This is lesson for us, yeah. Yamaraj could have easily taken advantage of the situation and told the Yamadutas that I'm the supreme personality of Godhead. And the Vishnu Dutas were wrong. And forget Vishnu altogether. He's some mythology, you know. Don't worry about him. He could have fooled his ignorant servants very easily. But he doesn't do that. He says very clearly that yes, no. The supreme personality of Godhead is there. Nobody knows him, including the demigods, including I. We are His sevens, and you are the seventh of the seventh. You are my seventh, and I am seventh of the supreme personality of Godhead. So, honesty. Honesty. Don't take advantage of somebody who is ignorant. Clarify them with enlightenment. First lesson. Second point. Then, at that point in time, Yamaraj quotes that famous verse about the twelve Mahajanas. Hmm? that uh, Bhur, Narada, Sambhu. Kumaro, Kapilo, Manu. Help me. Pralado, Bhishmo, Janako, Balir, Vayasaki Vayam. Now, in that list of 12 Mahajanas, where does, lesson number two, yeah, where does Yamaraj put his name? Last. What is the difference between putting his name as the first? If he had said, rather than saying, Swamur uh, Narada Sambhu, if he had said, Yamaraja Narada Sambhu, if he had started like that. Or versus ending the way he ended with himself as the last. What, is, what character can we see out of this? Humility. If he was not humble, firstly he was honest. Secondly he was humble. If he was not humble, he possibly could have put his name as the first or somewhere in the first line. Because he would have known that in Kaluga. People like Madhavananda Das will not remember the whole verse. So, rather, if he only remembers the first line, then at least my name should be there in the first line. So, at least he remembers me. He could have thought like that. But he didn't. He put his name last at the list, showing humility. And then there was a third lesson that I picked up from Prabhupada's purports, which I'll have to check my note because of my Kaliwa memory. What did I write? I can't even find it. I'll come back to that. So then, at this point in time, you know, chapter two finishes. I can't remember the third lesson. Sorry, it has just escaped me. I might have some idea. So, at this point in time, Sukdev Goswami ends chapter two by saying that this episode of Ajamila is shown not firstly what it is not for, and then we'll discuss what it is for. Yeah. It is not to make us think that like Ajamila, we can continue to go ahead and do all the wrong things and take the risk that at the end of our life and before the end of our life, we will get married and have a son and call him Narayana or Govinda or something. And at the end of our life, we'll call out our son and the Lord will come and protect us. That is not what this story is for this story is given to explain to us the power of the holy name the power of chanting the holy name to demonstrate the point that even a slight unconscious utterance of the holy name is so powerful even just a slight utterance unconsciously unknowingly sukriti of chanting the holy name is so powerful then just imagine the power of the holy name when it is chanted with consciousness, with love, with faith, with shraddha. Then what is the, what could be the, what, could, what will be the outcome? Just contrast the two. Hmm? So I'll read this out. Sukhdeva Goswami says, Ajamila chanted without faith. What, oh, I think Prabhupada writes this, sorry. Ajamila chanted, no actually, Sukhdeva Goswami says this. Ajamila chanted without faith. What will happen if we chant with faith? That's a rhetoric question. Ajamila chanted while dying. What will happen if we chant while alive? Ajamila chanted to call his son. What will happen if we chant to call the Lord? Ajamila was most sinful. What will happen if a devotee chants? Now that's, that's the takeaway for today, uh, to us to internalize. If Ajamila got the destination that he got because of his situation, what will be our destination when we not only chant one name of Krishna, but we know, chant 16 rounds of Krishna every day, at least 16 rounds, and all those things we do. So, what is waiting for us, we don't know. But, as Mataji Mataji was saying, we have to chant with feeling. Call out to Prabhupada. So, Ajamila said, Narayana. We can say, Prabhupada. That feeling with which Mataji was, you know, calling Prabhupada, this, it was out of this world, to be honest. You know, like, you know, that feeling that Prabhupada's direct disciples have that have for Prabhupada is just amazing. So, <clears throat> ah, the third thing that comes to me now because I see it in my note, but I'll just go back two steps. The third thing that we learn from that Yamaraj uh, situation of handling, he co- uh, Prabhupada explains actually, he calls, yam- when he sees that Yamadutas are bewildered in anxiety, in ignorance, and not knowing what the clear path is, He addresses, Yamraj addresses his sons as putraka, as my sons, oh my dear sons. What does this show us? That he was a caring leader. When somebody comes to us when when he or she is in distress, if you give them a very affectionate welcome, you know, or call out to them very uh, informally in a very loving gesture, it immediately mellows down the heart to some extent, rather than, you know, if you tell them off. When they are already in distress, it only excavates the problem. But if you show some, uh, Mataji was using the word kindness, correct? When you you deal with them with kindness, it already half of the battle is already won just by showing the kindness. The other half can be dealt with, you know, some guidance. But our physical emotions are just so important when somebody is in distress. So he was very, he very caring, with a lot of care he called the Yamadutas my dear sons and then he was humble and another point was that he was he was what was the third one three lessons were there remember he was humble he was caring and and he was honest he didn't take advantage of the situation then <clears throat> i'll skip most of this because <laughs> it's 8:45 now To summarize, it's quarter to nine. To summarize, Ajamila, pastime, as I said before, was, is not given to make us ignorantly think that the holy name is so powerful, therefore we can do whatever we want to do and then be saved. It is given there to show us the power of the holy name. And this is not just once. These things can be repeated in our Vedic literature. For example, to show the power of the holy name, you know, Katwanga Maharaj's pastime is given, that he got purified in a moment's association, no? With, with the one murta he got purified by chanting the holy name. So there, again, it is not given to say we can do whatever we want, but just one, in one moment we will get purified. That is not the essence. The essence is that we do it wholeheartedly throughout our life and the holy name will act. Another example that is given is with the Valimiki Muni in the Ramayana. Ulte hinam japo jagjana valimi ke Brahma Samana. No? So Ulte Hina. Valmiki didn't recollect what he had to chant. So rather than chanting Rama, 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 he was chanting Marama Rama Mara, 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 which actually became Rama, Rama anyway. When you put it, when you get it going, it becomes the same thing. But although he was chanting incorrectly, the holy name is so powerful that it purified him. Again, the pastime is not given to tell us to chant the holy name incorrectly, but it is only given. To show the power of the holy name that even if it's chanted unconsciously, incorrectly, it can work on us. And then two examples are given. One, to, to substantiate this point. One is of the medicine. If we take a powerful medicine, even if we don't know the power of that medicine, it will work on our body just as if we know the power of that medicine. So knowing the power of the medicine or not knowing the power of the medicine does not affect the medicine. It will still work on your body. So take it like that. And another example was given of the dry grass. Just as fire burns the dry grass completely and turns it into ashes and it will never be uh, sprout again. Similarly, the holy name will burn to ashes all our sinful actions, all our sinful reactions, all our sinful, all our sinful desires and it will never sprout again. That is the power of bhakti. Then we fast forward, and I'll read the last three verses, and I'll stop just to see what happens at the... Because there's two more verses left after this chapter, uh, after this verse, which I will not read, because that we will read tomorrow and day after tomorrow, but I can always go back and recapitulate what happened in the last three verses. So we'll read this. This is what Sugya Goswami has to tell Maharaj Parikshed. Remember, Ajamila Pastam is coming to a conclusion in two verses in two days' time. So what is what is the essence? He says in 31. And we are on 33 today. So in 31 he says, Tasmat Sankirtanam Vishnu Jagat jagan Mangalam Aham sham." So Tasmat Sankirtanam Vishnu. The holy name of Vishnu, you know, when it is chanted, is what? Jagat Mangalam. It is auspicious for the entire universe. Again, back to Mataji's point, that a devotee is very kind hearted. You know? So he looks not only for his Mangalam, but Jagat Mangalam. For the entire universe, the holy name is very auspicious. Mahatam api kauravya, Mahatam. Now, even if you have done the greatest of sin, vidhi, You nishkartam, know, so it can destroy that sin. Then in 32, Sukhde Goswami said, Srinvatam grinatam viriyani, udamani harer muhu. So, Udamani Harer Muhu. When we have taken the shelter of Lord Hari, then Sujatyabhaktiya. You know, that bhakti sprouts in the heart, which kills the desire to sin. But on the other hand, sudayan no, Na no. Tama Sudayan. Na. No Na means the other processes of atonement will not be able to destroy the propensity to sin. That was 32. And then what did he say today? Kids, you will get another chance to sing this verse. What did he say today? krishna angari padma muhu linna punar vir maya guneshu ramate vrijinah vaheshu anyastuka mahata atma raja pramashtum iheta Takarma yata e Varaja punasyat the devotees who have tasted the nectar of the lotus feet of the Lord will not go back to sense gratification again because it is troublesome. Whereas the non-devotees, even though they may try to atone themselves through karma kanda or jnana kanda, will again go back and do sinful activities because the propensity to sin has not been eradicated. Clear? Let's sing this. Let's sing this together. See how it sounds. Let's sing this together. Krishna Angaripadma Madhuli Napunar Visrista Maya Guneshu Ramatee Shu Kama Hata Atma Raja Pramastum Ihe Takkarmayatae Varaja Punasya. One more time, loudly. Yeah. Krishna Napunar so before I take any questions, anybody wants to sing? Those who missed out and who were here at the beginning. Nobody? Very nice, okay, i 'll stop here i 'll take any comments, questions, corrections, Yes bro do we need the, do we need a mic for this or it 's okay I, oh i can i can I can rephrase it last The last time I gave Bhagavatam class, trust me, the last time I gave Bhagavatam class, the only thing that was present in front of me i can 't remember was, it was the camera <laughs> and that day, seriously. I got the full realization, I got the complete realization of what Prabhupada means when he says that the Lord is a person and you need to, you need to have a person to exchange loving relations because when I was sitting in I'm not a pivot devotee that I can see Prabhupada literally sitting there, you know like I'm not at that level, I can't see the Lord sitting there, like I need the uh, human being sitting here. So when only the camera was sitting there and I was talking to the camera for one hour, trust me, I got the full realization that you cannot have a loving relationship with a camera. (laughs) (laughs) You need to have a person. And today, you know, three months or two months fast forward, after I got my first and the second jam, to see so many people there, including the kids, it's like, my goodness, it's a totally different world. And this is what Vaikunthar is. Because there is... Activity there, Charita nishashvat. Second line, forgot that verse. Vaimanika Salalanas Charita nishashvat. Forgot the second, that's one of my favorite verse that I'm trying to learn, because it tells us what is happening in Vaikuntha. Does anybody know this verse? It'll come back to me, it'll come back to me in a minute. Okay, questions, sorry.
1: How do you
0: okay, so the question is for those who are listening online, if this is going online on the YouTube, or probably not because the camera is not here, maybe going on radio, yeah. So for those who are listening audio, no, the question was that, you know, when we take holy name, this gentleman here has got some experience of you know, lusty desires reducing, which is nice. But at the same time, when he's in the office place and workplace, when he doesn't associate with his colleagues, they kind of think that you are alien, no? And they themselves think that you, know, you, you are a little different. Is that the question? Yeah. So the answer to that is kindness. Don't worry so much about how they see you. Worry more about how you see them. They are seeing that you are an alien. Let me rephrase. They are thinking that you are unique and different and probably something wrong mentally with you. That's how, that's how non-devotees think of devotees. No? That these are all mental retards you know, who are wearing white saffron clothes with some funny mark on their forehead and something in, their, you know, in a bag they carry everywhere and don't eat meat and all that. They think we are silly. But the difference is they think you are abnormal whereas you know they are abnormal so one thinks the other one knows so rather than thinking themselves you're thinking from their shoes that you are abnormal you have to you you know that they are abnormal because they are missing out on something that you have or that you are experiencing to some extent so if you have that kindness like how Maharaj Parikshit had for what is the solution to the sufferings and on those people take this list of suffering souls who are hopefully not but possibly marching towards hell how will you save them and you can save them with the holy name so your character your qualities your sadhana your krishna consciousness will be contagious to them so if you develop that uh, if you develop that sincerely it will rub on them and they will see, wow, what's your nice name? Shabrish. Shabrish. So you know, this nice gentleman, Shabrish, my goodness, even when we provoke him, he doesn't retaliate. They will like you then. Because where did you learn this quality from? And then it gives you the platform to tell them about Krishna consciousness. That is the opportunity that you can preach to them. Till them, don't preach. Till then, only preach to them with your action. And the Krishna will set the platform when you, when at which you can preach to them through your words. So preach through action only. The moment you open your mouth, they will not like it because they are not at that level. So action first, and then the words come out of their mouth later when they have been, let's say, uh, massaged by the Lord so the holy name can penetrate in their heart. So have compassion to them. Because that's exactly what Maharaj Parikshit has here. That no, it is compassion to the suffering soul who are, who are en route to hell. How do I save them? Yeah? Not atonement. Bhakti. And how much bhakti? Endless bhakti. Maharaj Parikshit didn't say to Sukdev Goswami at, end of kento, at the end of chapter 3 of Kento 6, okay, you have so said atonement is the solution and now you're saying bhakti is the solution. And today is day 5 I've got two more days, so let's stop Bhagavatam now and I'll come back and chant holy name at the end of seventh day when I'm about to die. He didn't say that. He could have easily said that, no? He didn't say that. Why? Because there is nectar in the holy name. So although he has got the remedy in his hand, he's still sitting at the lotus feet of the doctor saying that, please give me more of this remedy. Now, I love this tablet. Give me more and more and more for the remaining two or three days of my life. And I'll keep hearing this until I leave my body. So the devotee who has tasted the nectar of the holy name of the Lord will not go back to material activities again. So they are going to material sense gratification again and again. You have to stop them. Yeah? Is it clear? Okay. Somebody else raise the hand there, then I'll come to you. Okay, so, so the actual part of your question was, you know, that you are not getting the taste. And should you in sh- to enhance the taste, should you increase the round or should you increase the attentiveness? Is that, that did I understand it correctly? Yes, so the question was, you know, that when somebody is chanting the minimum 16 rounds, he's not getting the taste one. That's the, that's, that's the problem. And what is the remedy? Is the remedy to increase the number of, of rounds or to increase our attentiveness so that we can get the taste out? Whatever I will speak, is from the books and what I've heard from the senior devotees because I'm not at that at level when I can tell you, know, I'm ha- having boundless taste in the holy name. So I'm not talking with experience, to be honest. Uh, I'm talking with what I have learned, yeah? Just to be, <laughs> just so that we can relate to each other. And then the, the related part of that question was is it a, is it a, uh, is it a common question or is, is, it, a, is it a problem uh, or not? The answer to that question, three parts of that question, is yes. It is a problem, and it is a common problem. So you are not unique. No? I'm sure most of us uh, are victims of that uh, phenomena. You know that uh, the taste seems to be eluding. So don't feel yourself as you know uh, isolated. Isolation is over. We can now mix and mingle. Yeah. So it's a common problem. I th- at least that's what I think. In terms of the solution, both are correct. Increase the attentiveness as well as increase the number of rounds. Why? Because when we increase, if <laughs> Look at it mathematically, you know. If I chant one time Hare Krishna Maha mantra kids, no, math students, if I chant one time Hare Krishna Maha mantra versus if I chant 100 times Hare Krishna Maha mantra, the chances of, if I chant 100 times, the chances of one of those chanting in the one from 0 to 100 is of course mathematically probability-wise higher than just chanting once. Because if I've just chanted once, I may be attentive, I may not be attentive. And that's it. There is... 50% chance of it being attentive, 50% chance of it not being attentive. That's it, it, that's it. There's not, no other chance. But when we chant 16 rounds or 20 rounds or 30 rounds, and 16 rounds itself is good. one thousand one hundred and eight times 16 is 1728. 1728 times we are chanting the Hare Krishna Maha mantra. So in that, the probability of at least one time saying Krishna attentively is much, much higher. Now if you want to increase it to 20 or 24, then your probability is increasing. Knowing that Ajamila chanted unconsciously, it was so powerful. So if he chants so consciously with faith, then of course all of them are powerful. But there is one mantra that one day will fix us. And that's when the taste will come. So yes, chant as many rounds as possible. And with all those rounds, all rounds should be attentive. But if it is not, then the next mantra should be attentive. I remember read, uh, reading Prabhupada's, uh, uh, brijan Maharaja's, uh... Japa, what was the name of the book? Japa Oni, So in that book, he gives brilliant uh, techniques of how to chant attentively. And the one that resonated with me, which I, more than chanting one mantra, he said, when you fail to hear attentively the mantra you have chanted, which is my problem, (laughs) when you fail to hear attentively the mantra you have just chanted, then the next one you pay attention. And he says, most likely you will fail to hear the next mantra as well. (laughs) And then pay attention to the third mantra. Keep telling your mind that the next mantra I will chant attentively. And I'll share with you something that happened to me personally. Because of reading that particular technique, 15 rounds, if I chanted some or the other, I was telling myself that the 16th round, Krishna is for you. That 16th round, so even... (laughs) attend the mic off, even if I was on my iPhone, <laughs> at some stage on the 15th mantra, oh, I was doing something that I shouldn't have been doing, you know? as Amendra Prabhu says, devotees are, uh, what did he say, Mult- lefties and righties, <laughs> devotees are lefties, <laughs> because with the right hand we chant, with the left hand we cook you know, or do something else. So we are lefties, he said. So even if we are doing something with the left hand that we should not be doing till the 15th round, then the 16th should be for Krishna. Now drop everything and make it attentive. And when the 1727 names of Krishna has been inattentive, then at least the last mantra of the last round of the Hare Krishna Maha Mantra when we are chanting, now it's only five minutes, yeah, uh, five seconds. In that five seconds, absorb all the thoughts, words, and deeds in that particular mantra and then finish your chanting. Or will not finish, like complete your chanting for that day. At least that one we can tell, do attentively. Which is so if you are chanting that mantra and, and assuming that death is coming, how will we chant? Let's do it together. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, 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 Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama Rama, Rama, Hare Hare. So now, if you, were, if you were writing on your book, or if you were fiddling with your book, or if you were touching your iPhone, or you were thinking that when will Madhavananda stop so prasadam can come, all those thoughts, for five seconds, remove it. Right? Just remove it for five seconds, and we'll do it once more. And this time, bring the mind to the lotus feet of Krishna. No? Internally, bring the mind. Let's try it again. See the, if it makes any difference. Let's go. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. And then, if the mind is still deviated, which it probably did in that five seconds, for one second to say, what am I supposed to do? I'm supposed to chant attentively. If the mind was thinking like that, this is when Virujan Prabhu's technique comes very useful. The next time when we chant, then bring it again so keep doing this it's a practice abhyasa yeah practice will make us perfect Probably last question in alistopia yeah? because otherwise i will not be liked
1: Yeah. Is that?
0: Yeah. So the question was, or the comment was part of the part of it was comment, and then a question. The comment was, you know, that Yamaraj Yamraj, the Yamadutas were fortunate because their boss was sincere. And Yamaraj is uh, not only a devotee, but Yamaraj is one of the 12 Mahajans. Whereas for us, in our workplace, there is no Yamaraj, but there is Mahabharat hmm, going on. There is politics, there is uh, nepotism, there is uh, backbiting, all those backstabbing, all those things are going, how to deal with it. I'm in the same position as well. <laughs> so blind leading a blind now pretty much, you know. It's hard to. It's it's hard, but I think. No. It was not easy for Arjuna either. In the battlefield of Kurukshetra, at his Mahabharat, he was also battling. With. Not only bosses, but with families. Who were hell bent on killing him, at least for our sake, or at least in our situation, we are much more fortunate than Arjun, because, at least we are not fighting with our families. we don't have to shoot them we are at least fighting with people whom we are not let's say who are not our kit and kin so why is bhagavad-gita so relevant to us then you know because it shows that what was arjuna's problem at that point in time compared to our problem today is day and night our problem in front of arjuna is minuscule nothing we don't have to kill our boss first of all (laughs) hopefully you don't have to kill him (laughs) (laughs) and they don't kill us either there is backstabbing and all that but there is no literal 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 bloodbath that's not happening in the office yeah so we can draw lessons from arjun to say my dear arjuna that was your mahabharata you had krishna with you next to you and you had to do it because krishna told you not to run away from the battlefield of mahabharata but to fight no from Kurukshetra. Don't run away from the battlefield of Kurukshetra, but do your duty and fight. Arjuna wanted to actually take sannyas. Can you believe it? Arjuna wanted to take sannyas in chapter 2 of 2? 1. In chapter 1 of Bhagavad Gita, Arjuna wanted to take sannyas, which we know from Prabhupada is much higher than being a grihastha. in one sense. We are supposed to be renounced. But Krishna said, no, no, no. For you at the moment, you can do better service to humanity not by taking sannyas, By by continuing to be a grihasta, but fighting as a kshatriya. Continue to fight. Don't run away. Although Krishna said, even if you are entitled to take sannyas, my goodness, can you believe what he's telling Arjuna? Although you are entitled to take sannyas, which is much more higher, but right at the moment, the call of the duty at the moment is for you to fight. Because there is a battle going on. And you must fight, not for your sake, for my sake first of all, for Krishna's sake and also for the sake of the whole civilians, these demons has, have to be removed. So you must continue. Now that is Arjuna's. That's why he has to shoot arrow at Bhishma Dev and Dronacharya. But our situation is we don't have to shoot arrow at our boss. We just have to write him an email. My dear boss, you are a rascal number one. <laughs> no, with regards or something. No, that's all we have today, Which is just all dots and digits. But the office, the workplace is our battlefield, and we have to march on and fight. No sannyas from, work, from battlefield. No sannyas from office going to Vrindavan, which is nicer. Of course, everybody wants to go and settle in Vrindavan. It is much nicer. But Prabhupada said, Melbourne is Vrindavan. Office can be our, 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 our workshop. <laughs> yes, office can be our workshop. I wanted to say that office is the extension of our temple. Vrindavan is Melbourne is Vrindavan. This is our temple. Office is an extension of our temple. Put duties there, Panchatattva. Put Bhagavad Gita, and then fight. Good luck. Bhagavatam <laughs> Prabhu